welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. I'm Sarah Hetrick, the board engineer here on Blooming Out. We're still taking a short break this week. We'll be back soon with the great content you've come to expect from us. Because this year's presidential campaign is now in full swing, we wanted to re-air an episode of a roundtable discussion that took place the week after the Republican and Democratic National Conventions have concluded. Now let's join host Janae Cummings, Jeff Poling, producer Ryan Shaddy, and guest contributor Brandon Gage for the roundtable discussion. Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Jeff Poling. And I'm Janae Cummings. On tonight's episode, we will have our featured music along with our LGBTQ plus area calendar. First this evening, we will be having a roundtable discussion focusing on current events with producer Ryan Shaddy and special contributor, who I learn is very funny, Brandon Gage. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Good. Doing well. Thank you. Brandon, you just got in from New York. Yes. So uh, how's everything around New York now, right now? Um, it's Well, New York is not exactly a fan of Donald Trump to begin with. So um, it's we're optimistic mm-hmm. about, about Clinton, and, um, and we're really excited that she's our, she's our nominee. Yeah, and that's some of the stuff that we'll be discussing tonight uh, in our little round table discussion that we have. And we actually have a square table, don't we, JP? Yeah, it's actually rectangular, rectangle. but I think it would confuse people if we it's said It's a four by eight discussion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, really what we really want to talk about is uh, some current events that are happening around the nation uh, right now. And really uh, what's going to happen uh, specifically if, Hillary Clinton's elected president, or if Donald Trump is elected president, and which way we can go on LGBTQ issues. Also, there's a lot more to talk about. We'll get juicy into juicy stuff here in a little bit. But, um, you know, what what do you all think would happen during a Donald Trump presidency to the LGBTQ community? I think we go backwards in many ways. There's a problem he names probably two Supreme Court justices. He'll probably cede a lot of his responsibility to Mike Pence, who we already know is very against us and really against anything that's not um, that hasn't been decreed in the Bible or abided by, you know, around 1942. So I think we'll be going back in time and we'll be losing a lot of those rights that we've we've earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that you know it's it's really important to not just focus on the presidential election, but also to focus on local and state elections as well. Because, um, you know, if, if we have a Trump presidency, we'll probably have a Trump Senate and a Trump House. And um, it's really important that we, we elect Democrats on the local and state level. So if there are challenges to marriage equality or to choice or to, um, you know, more challenges to Obamacare, um, we need the states to be able to uh, check and balance that. And it's a huge issue. I, if if President, uh, President Trump, for instance, has his way, um, a lot of these things are going to be by executive orders. He thinks that he can do all of this stuff via executive orders. 
And he's not so much wrong. If you look at what President Obama has done, what President Bush has done, what even President Clinton and so forth and so on with their executive orders, sure, a president can come right in and do whatever the heck he pleases. And with a conservative court and with a, with a conservative Congress, which would go in uh, through his coattails, uh, it could wind up being disastrous for uh, the LGBT com- community, but many others as well. Yeah. Um, what do you think, how do you think people are feeling? I, I've, I've read many an article um, and many a Facebook post, we can go on Facebook posts, uh, about gay people who support Trump. Okay, being from New York, I think I can touch on this a little bit. Uh, I, have, I have gay friends who, who support Donald Trump, and um, it's baffling to me. Um, not, not just from a, a gay standpoint, but from even if you are an, an ally to gay people supporting someone who's been so vocally and vehemently um, anti not just gay, but anti pretty much everybody who doesn't look, think, or smell like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, their excuse is that they, they don't like Hillary, they wanted Bernie, a lot of them are part of the Bernie or bust movement, um, and, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, because it's very short-sighted. I think it's selfish, um, and I think it, it fails. They're failing to see the big picture, and and that elections do have consequences. So. They fail to see. I think that this is not a four-year problem. Like these, these, there are re- yeah. repercussions that can last generations. If, if particularly if justices are appointed, who will who will turn things into law. Thirty that, to forty years that we mm-hmm. can't come back from for well, really in our lifetimes, and. Um, Bernie or bust, that, you know, in some ways it's fine, but I think understanding the big picture of that view is really what's important, and I think that's being lost with, yeah. with that particular Absolutely. crowd. Absolutely. I just want to jump in one more time and, and, and say that, that you there are no do-overs in, in politics, and you, you can't say, well, if Trump wins, it won't be so bad because in four years we can put up, a, you know, what they say, a stronger Democrat than Hillary Clinton, of which there are none, frankly. But you can't you you just can't do that it doesn't work that way um especially if you have a conservative supreme court and and a republican senate which would probably remain that way um and also just politically um incumbent presidents usually don't lose elections so especially republicans so it's it's a it's a dangerous uh position to hold not just for not just for gay people but for women and for um certain religious groups uh and for really the rest of the world there's a lot standing on this jp and we we definitely have friends who are in the bernie or bus crew uh i i know looking at my facebook feed and and trust me all i i'm i'm a bernie supporter that's who i voted for in the primaries and i'm happily happy to tell you who i voted for in the primary and i have no problem doing so but the fact of the matter is this is our livelihoods on the line here and um you know again i want to express that um these are our views on on the show, and and we would love to have somebody on on the show with us today that had a had a different view than us. But it, it's hard to get those sometimes. <laughs> uh, but you know, this is this is why it's important. And people who are screaming the fear train and saying that we're just trying to instill fear in them and telling them that uh, they should vote for Hillary because of X, Y, and Z. I don't necessarily think that they're getting the 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 the, the point. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, something was posted on social media recently that was talking about um, 
if if when you have these issues, it, you want someone that knows what they're doing. That you know, you want someone that can at least you know steer the boat, um, and that is something that I have no confidence in Donald Trump over that. I well, he might steer the boat, but it might be right over the waterfalls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you think about what um, Trump has been doing. Uh, what Donald Trump has been doing lately in terms of foreign policy and in terms of uh, making our enemies dislike us even more than they some of them already do. But also, on the other hand, he's making some of our enemies love him even more. Uh, you think about Vladimir Putin from Russia and then Kim Jong-un from, from North Korea. And wow. I think what really strikes me is it's not just that uh, he has no foreign policy chops. He has no history. He has no memory of why these relationships exist the way they do, why there are treaties, Mm -hmm. why we have certain allies and why we have certain enemies. And that like 60 years of policy, Republican and Democrat policy, he just ignores because, you know, screw it. It's not cool anymore. He he doesn't care. And and the reason he doesn't care is because of his his background as a business person you you if you're a ceo of a company or president of a company um your goal is to make that venture as profitable as possible so you're going to look at past deals as he considers them deals and say hmm how can how can i do a better job than this how can i usurp or one up what's already been done and um of course it's it's just incredibly stupid but uh he you know Ryan, you mentioned him butting up with 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 Putin. You know, where in Russia it's actually legal to beat people up for being gay. Exactly. And you have to wonder is that is that something that's going to happen here? I think it used to be legal here anyway. Um, but is that something that can well, come back here? Well, in this state, it still kind of is. There is no hate crimes. Right. Yeah. right. In many states, right. there are not hate hate crime statutes. I mean, against gay people. You know, it's yeah. still you get beat up. Yeah, you can press charges. Yeah, the police can press charges naturally, but it's not going to be considered a hate crime. And 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 that's the and that's the problem with it all is that we still don't have protections that are going to prevent people from wanting to beat up on us. And we don't have protections because the man running as vice president has stood in the way of those protections. A, a scary thought about about that too is is when when uh, Donald Trump was doing his Veep search and he said to John Kasich, "Do you want to be the most powerful vice president in history?" That's very telling about how seriously Donald Trump takes the job of being president because imagine him in the White House and I, I do have to say if, if he is elected I don't see him being in office for very long to be honest I think he's going to do some really stupid things and he'll be impeached pretty quickly which is kind of terrifying having right. Mike Pence as president as of the United president. States which yeah. is a very real possibility if Trump gets elected because real. Trump is not interested in actually governing he's interested in winning the race Right. That's the only reason he's doing this. This what? is a game to him. Yeah. Exactly. And if you're willing to, like like you said before, not vote for Hillary because for whatever reason, if, that's something to think about is you're not really voting. You're not really letting Trump win. You're letting Trump and the GOP with their, with their medieval platform uh, take over. I also know people who it's not really about uh, – let me rephrase. It's more like they think like the revolution is going to come. Like it's all going to burn down now. Like Trump will get elected and somehow like 
the earth will course correct and everything will kind of fix itself. Like in that movie, The Day After Tomorrow or whatever that was when like Mm -hmm. there was a global weather cataclysm and we can start fresh. Like that seems to be what people think. Well, and you got to think also that that the American people are too complacent to actually put up a revolution. If you ask me, I think I think even if this happens, they'd just be sitting back in their chairs being like, (coughs) where's the popcorn? I'm just going to watch if somebody else will take care of it for me. And, and that's what that's what Americans do, and that's the sad we're, reality. We're, we're social media warriors. We're keyboard warriors. And and I don't we think get we're fired anything up. more. Yeah. So let's let's change it a little bit, and and you know Hillary Clinton does have her shortcomings, and especially if she votes for the TPP, in my opinion, once again, uh, that's that's a really important issue to me. And um, obviously, she's flip flopped on that on top of her gay rights issues before, and so forth and so on. She's not going to flip flop on the gay rights issue now. And that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a big deal. Uh, but there are a hundred of, re- there are hundreds of reasons why, uh, well, Bernie or bus people can find hundreds of reasons why, uh, we shouldn't I elect Hillary Clinton can. as president. She has many flaws. She's but far from perfect. Yes. I don't see her as a flip flopper on gay issues though, but she, I think she was slow. She was slow and she, fair. But she didn't there, change her mind. there are a lot of people, even gay people, including myself, who did not support the idea of gay marriage until very, very recently. And and that doesn't make someone a flip flopper. It means people change their minds. And that's something that I think we'd want in a politician is you need to listen to people and and you have to change your views based on on what what your constituencies want. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're you're exactly right. I I remember when I was all for um, the civil. Uh, civil unions instead of marriage and I was like well we'll take that step first and then we'll head head towards marriage we don't have to fight these issues right now we can we can take small baby steps well then in a landslide <laughs> we get full marriage equality and it's just perfect and my my views completely changed and more specifically when Indiana did it a, a year before uh, the national the the, na- the nation did it. Uh, that was really, really um, beneficial for my understanding of why we needed those rights and why we needed to be equal to everybody else. And it doesn't stop in marriage either. You know, the the there's the issue of gay adoption. There's hospital visitations. There's there's funeral rights. There's, um, you know, yeah, Full. picking your kid's school. There, there's all these other things that come with marriage that that still have a long way to go. Yeah, it's it's total equality. Yeah, you know, it's it's great that. Um, that Hillary did pick such a civil rights champion as her VP candidate as well. So mm-hmm. having t- having Tim Kaine on, on the ticket, I think um, it may not have satisfied every progressive's, <laughs> uh, every, every progressive's desire, but it definitely satisfied many people who enjoy um, having a civil wa- rights warrior on your side. Um, going into the RNC platform a little bit and, and, um, if conservatives are elected, remember what they put into their uh, platform last week. And one of those things is um, is conversion therapy. And I have heard from many people through various Facebook posts, uh, through reading how bad conversion therapy is. Uh, many people don't come out of conversion therapy um, sometimes alive. And then even afterwards, uh, they're... they're demonized for a long long while scarred yeah Yeah. and and they're they're toast at the end of that so uh hillary uh not hillary but um her daughter chelsea 
is worried about these issues and brought up some good points uh, about about conversion therapy being uh, so harmful for LGBT people. And if we really want to fight against that, we have to fight against the uh, Republicans in this election. And those are top-down issues. It's not just about a platform for the presidential election. It's a platform Correct. for the party. And that goes to every state and every town and every municipality that, that we have. Correct. And, and the fact is, the scientific fact, truth, remains that conversion therapy, it doesn't work. There's no way it can work. It's essentially psychological alchemy. You're not going to, it's just not going to work. And it also speaks to the, the, the staunchly anti-science platform outside of that issue that, that the Republicans have, have adopted, like climate change not being, not being real, which dooms all of us. Right. We're going to get back to this conversation in uh, just a few short minutes. So we're going to take our first music break of the evening and give the introduction to our first artist from Out.com. In case anyone was still wondering, the song of summer 2016 is undoubtedly Cheap Thrills by Sia. Just trust and turn on the radio. The dynamic and wacky singer-songwriter continues to dominate the season with a truly show-stopping rendition of Unstoppable, her final single off the album This Is Acting. The gifted performer, known for her egoless presentations and incredibly fragile lyrics, continues to serve us that Bjork energy, but all her own and perfectly attuned for the new millennium. Refer to the cartoonish outsized hair bow and uncanny work pants. Unstoppable is a departure for the artist. The song is about feeling confident and powerful as opposed to the damaged beauty of prior hits like Chandelier or Elastic Heart. Sia's delivery and subtext will still communicates untold reservoirs of vulnerability. Here is Sia with Unstoppable. I'll smile, don't know what it takes to fool this down. I'll do it till the sun goes down and all through the night time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll tell you what you wanna hear Get my sunglasses on while I shed a tear It's never the right time yeah, yeah. Feeling sure is the only way to make friendships grow, but I'm too afraid now. 
been listening to Sia with Unstoppable. Unstoppable, right. <laughs> that was a performance on Good Morning America um, not long ago. Uh, that was pretty incredible. Well, we are back here on Blooming Out this evening, and we are having a roundtable discussion about events unfolding around the nation and how they will affect not only the LGBTQ community, but the nation and the world as a whole. JP, you had some interesting uh, conversation that you wanted to bring up here a few minutes ago during our break. Well, I've noticed in, on social media that this is a topic that is on many people's uh, mind, if you want to say that. And um, I, I'll just say, i.e., to friend or to unfriend, right? Um, to so so you run into a friend who has opposing views, um, opposing pin, opinions. Uh, they are you know, sorry, God forbid, a Trump supporter. Um, so, it, freedom of speech, democracy, personally, do you unfriend? Do you wage a social media online battle with them? I'm, I'm really curious what other people's opinions are. You know, I started off, I, I have many family members, and, and like, when I say many family members, immediate family members sure. who are Trump supporters. So uh, not my mother or father, thank God, but uh, others who are in, in my immediate family. And I'm not going to block them. I like knowing what they're up to. I like seeing you know posts from them, so forth and so on. I'm not going to block them. Do I agree with their views? Absolutely not. I've also gotten into way too many fights with outside people. Uh, people who, um, people who I don't know, but I see them post on another person's page, mm -hmm. and it's like going around in in circles with them. Literally, you can't fight on the internet; nobody wins. You right. can't, and you're right. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem: they don't ever post anything. They don't post. They don't cite sources. Mm -hmm. They don't give you any bit of information which one to to help you learn. To help you learn, mm -hmm. I'll post my sources, and then they'll say that it's liberal pro propaganda. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. And yeah, the these places are maybe maybe a little bit more on the liberal end. Definitely, I'm not going to argue with that. But at the same time, post your stuff so I can argue with you on why you're wrong based on your articles. Or how about the latest? Which I'm saying latest because I recently saw um, a post that was. No more political discussion on Facebook. Like, 
God forbid, I, I, I don't, I couldn't do it. No. I Was just, this a friend of yours saying that? Um, you know, <laughs> yes, and I unfriended them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it, I don't re- even recall where it was from, but it was a, a definite little semi-movement that, you know, I'm sick of, of political discussions. You know, apparently all they want to see are, you know, pictures of people's cats and kids. And <laughs> I That's don't a know. lot of people, though. I yeah. mean, it is sure. a lot of people. Life is miserable enough sometimes. Yeah, right. I, I do understand that it gets old, and especially during the uh, an election year. Oh, my God, the mud that's been slung. Slung? Anyway, that they've been <laughs> slinging, right, is um, but, it, it's intense. But here's the problem what people don't realize is that their vote or their non-vote matters in how our world and how our country runs. And if there is not any civil discourse, whether it's through a public forum like Facebook, Twitter, what have you, we don't have those public discourses in a, anymore face-to-face. How, no. are, how is anybody supposed to learn anything right. if we don't have that discourse face-to-face any longer? Well, people don't bother to fact-check, first of all. And, and mm. second of all, you know, I, I've, I've unfriended people because of mm-hmm. Trump views, um, and usually it's it's not because they disagree with me. It's because they just they just post really really hateful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and think that's right. what the it's, difference is. We can disagree. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, but when you post racist and bigoted memes Correct. and right. racist and bigoted views. Yeah and you still call yourself my friend, right. and you're going to take those to the polls, I consider that an act of aggression against, against my you. livelihood. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And exactly. so I usually don't unfriend them. I hide them because I'm going to go back after the election, count them up, and unfriend all of them in mass just I'm so not. I can oh, just get rid of them. I hadn't but but I, 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 I just kind of keep an accounting of who they are. So I know when we have our discussions and they're really concerned about me and my well-being, I really know what's up. I think part of what scares me too is 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 – with with Donald Trump, it's not like 2012 where Mitt Romney, yeah, he kind of sucked as a presidential candidate, but I don't think he really scared anybody. Oh no, uh, I don't think he I don't think he had malintent with the way he would govern. Uh, I I don't I can't say that about Donald Trump. I think if you look at history mm-hmm. and the things he's proposing and the policies he puts forward and the way he treats certain groups of people um, is absolutely terrifying um, and. If if you can if you can bring yourself to support someone like that, um, you're it's not like you're violating friendship with with gay people or with women. You're you're pretty much <laughs> you're ignoring history and you're 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 endorsing um, you're endorsing putting a lot of people at risk. What's uh, Trump's main concern? Think of this: he wants to build a wall in Mexico, right? That's that's one of his highlights. Probably number one on his list on his website. I haven't checked out his website in a while, so I don't know. But he wants to build a wall on uh, the Mexican land. For, you know, quite frankly, he that says that he's going to... Yeah, exactly, that, that they, they're going to pay for. But just today, Donald Trump applied for a permit in Florida to have migrant workers working at his new development there in Florida. Today. Today. Just today. Well, that's the great irony of the wall is that, okay, he wants someone else to pay for it, but the only labor they'd be able to afford is migrant labor. And he doesn't say, of course, who they're going to pay to build the wall, the government. No, probably Trump. So I, I, to answer your question, I think that Donald Trump's biggest concern is how does Donald Trump make money? I think that's the only reason he's in this. I think this is a, this is a reality show for him. He's trying to make money. Um, he's, he's selling those goofy hats you know he says he's gonna 
create jobs here and bring jobs back. Well, he could have started with making his hats and his his crappy merchandise here, you know, and his all of his lines and yeah, his his fine tailoring that's made right. in China. Right. He could have been building jobs for he years. He could have been building jobs. He could have been paying his contractors that built his 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 country clubs and his mm. his hotels, um, but he didn't. And then he threatened. He said, "Okay, you can." go through the courts if you want your full amount. So, you know, he's a bully inside and outside of the boardroom. Let's talk a little bit. I, I like going back to this. Um, first off, let's let's talk about the RNC, um, both on how uh, the hypocrisy is real within the RNC after creating such a, uh, such a homophobic platform that they have. But on top of that, uh, the, the, uh, the advocate has an article that says male escorts are making a killing off of Plaza de Gay Republicans at the RNC. Shocking. Yeah. Wow. And at the end of the article, it says, while gay escorts are profiting off the GOP's platform of shame, women have not been quite so lucky. Um, in quotes, has, shame. <laughs> has business been better for me? One female escort told the Post. Honestly, no. No. I mean, the hypocrisy is real in this. It's almost numbing. It's it's beyond comprehension. You also go to Milo Yiannopoulos, who uh, is a a reporter, a tech reporter for Breitbart.com, and he held an event at the RNC that was called Twinks for Trump. It's not offensive at all. I know many of them, actually. (laughs) Uh, That's that's sad. It's quite sad. But... The latest firestorm with Milo is uh, his um, little ban from Twitter uh, because of um, because of comments he's he's made to uh, against Leslie Jones. Is that her? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah? Is that her name? Um, Leslie Jones, who was recently in in uh, the the latest Ghostbusters film, and this isn't the first inflammatory things he, he said on Twitter, but it, it, it's amazing what kind of rhetoric he posts and gets by with and i've read multiple things on him um going back a year or two now and i read one that that was uh that that he flat out said he was a self-hating gay he hates being gay he wishes he weren't gay um and so forth and so on this is amazing uh that this rhetoric comes out of somebody's mouth still and then he goes and he tries to trump up support for Donald Trump. Right. Well, he's probably right. mentally ill. He, well, yeah. Well, he actually calls himself a Trump sexual and alludes Jimmy to the attraction. Well, that's what I was wondering, right? <laughs> uh, well, you know, alluding to the attraction of uh, to Trump by referring him at, to him as a daddy. Um, that's only one of the. Outlanders. I wish you hadn't said that. I know, just it, because but it's a it thing. Unfortunately, it's disgusting. Yeah, it is disgusting. It, it really I is. agree. Um, but he also, you know, he calls transgender a mental disorder and and argues that gender reconfiguration surgeries um, should be banned. Although he's perfectly cool with breast implants, um, his campaign. I think is, he likes drag queens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so so this brings up a. a uh, a point, a topic. Um, when do these people get labeled or called for what they are? Which is this is hate speech. When when is there a difference between freedom of speech and hate speech? For example, groups like the Westboro Baptist Church, right? Um, did, and I've I've even seen a movement where 
someone said, well, we should just, um, the GOP really could qualify lately. I've signed many of those petitions, yeah. As hate speech. Yeah. Well, you can. It's, you look at what all they say, and essentially they are saying what Muslims say, except in a, in a more PC way. And when I say Muslims, I mean Islamic, uh, right-wing radical Islamic terrorists. They're saying kill all the gays, stone all the gays. And you still see posts from churches uh, where they're like death to the gays. There's a church up in Harlem, actually, uh, near where I, I live. Yep, I read about yeah, that. Yeah, right. the Mount Zion mm-hmm. Church. And, and it, it's real. It's there. And it mm-hmm. says uh, death to the sodomites. Um, you know, I, I I personally think it's kind of hilarious that they choose Harlem to, to do that. I but, mean, you've got um, your own problems it's, there <laughs> as people of color in Harlem. Yeah. Maybe there are other battles you should fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And... It, 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 it's amazing what people will say, and especially even gay people will say and agree with. You, you have to you have to marvel at the at the hypocrisy of the Republican Party, as who claims to be the party of family values, who claims to be, but they they want to break up families, they want to deport people, they want to deny people the right to have a family. But but my favorite is, could you imagine? Could you imagine what would happen if Democrats? Imagine if Barack Obama had five kids by three wives and walked out onto that stage. <laughs> right. What the field day Republicans would have with that? That sure. meme. And was if that wife pretended to graduate from college, and if that wife had ripped off a speech from a Republican first lady, could, could you imagine? Yeah, and it's just the hypocrisy is is like it's incredible. It's like staring at the sun. Well, one thing that has happened, I've noticed with the the Democratic Party is, and this wasn't very long ago, that the Democrats were were titled, you know, weak as water, no backbone. Have you noticed how things have changed mm-hmm. because of the extremism? Democrats that, are now like the National Security Party. Like, what 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 happened? I I want to know. Yeah, everybody chanting USA, USA last night. That surprised me. That, you know what that, happened? Trump tried to sell us out to Russia. That's what happened. That, exactly. You don't try to sell out the United States to anyone, and especially Russia, at least in my opinion. But um, we've got about five minutes left before we have to wrap this up. Uh, but I, what I really want to get to is uh, some work that we still have to do. And we've been talking about not only gay people hating on gay people, but um, also the far right wing. Um Right Wing Watch uh, speaks of Steve Crampton, who believes that the U.S. is at risk of becoming a slave nation due to the marriage equality ruling. What, what, what did he say about that? You know, it's it's just if, if you if you read the article, you look at it, and um, it's just a, a, a amazing how he gets into it. Uh, so long and short of it is, he continued, all of our freedoms. I think today are are grave risk. In particular, religious freedom. I think it is under attack as never before in our nation's history. And because religious freedom is the first freedom, it's foundational. If it goes, everything goes. So it's a time when either we stand up or we shut up and become almost a slave nation because the rule of law is at grave risk. That's a a quote from where? That is a a quote from Steve Crampton, um, who is a religious right activist running for a seat (laughs) on the Mississippi Supreme Court. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not sure how you can rationalize that sort of that level of crazy um, or or nonsense. Um, but I, I, the religious freedom argument always always makes me laugh. 
It's mm-hmm. only religious freedom if you're of one religion. Right. It doesn't extend to the rest. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Yeah. You well. have you have to believe in in the hateful Republican Jesus, or else, you know, you're violating <laughs> their their uh, the one that doesn't donate yeah. to charities, the one that does the one who says he's going poor. to donate to charities and then just pockets the money. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know we also uh, we've discussed Mike Pence a little bit. Um, but Pat Spearman, who is a, a queer, uh, is a Nevada state senator and a pastor and an Army veteran, uh, really addressed the Democratic Ma- National Convention on Monday. And uh, she enumerated uh, many ways that a, uh, an administration led by Donald Trump and Mike Pence would really hurt the LGBT communities. She states, we have heard Donald Trump say that he would protect the LGBTQ community. Uh, but he is against marriage equality and has said that he would overturn um, that he is all for overturning it. Uh, but the crowd viewed her when when uh, booed when tr- Trump came up na- naturally. Um, she continues, but his worst attack was his vice presidential pick. Um, as Spearman brought up Pence, the crowd reacted with vehement boos by passing a religious freedom bill. Spearman said Pence used a religion as his weapon to discriminate. So. He is is really going to be uh, terrorizing to this platform and pushing for all of this stuff if that that group is elected president of the United States. That's what's scary. Yeah. Did you expect um, Pence to uh, be in the position where he's at now? Yeah. I thought it was lining up for it when when he even when he. Uh, when he um, gave his endorsement to Ted Cruz, mm. I honestly, I, I was reading a little into uh, the goings on on there and, and what he was saying to make sure that he was protecting himself from uh, being, um, not being on Trump's right side. So uh, he, w- he was definitely uh, vying for that position. What's strange is that he's ended up exactly where he's wanted to be. And mm-hmm. he wouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been, given all of his missteps and foibles over the last few years and now he's he's a vice presidential candidate which is what he's always wanted so he can make that next step to be president he should have been out of the running for everything yeah some last thoughts here before we wrap up what is truly at stake in this election and i want to hear from all three of you uh, what you think in your opinion is at stake Um, we have a woman who has finally shattered the glass ceiling uh, as a major uh, party nominee, nominee for big crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a major party nominee for president, um, we have gotten through uh, having our first black president. Uh, but you know, I felt so. Uh, just to say, I felt I, I had tears running down my eyes last night thinking about the hardships President Obama has had to go through in his eight years as president. Yeah, he had the majority vote. But these problems are going to persist even with a woman as president. Mm-hmm. Any last-minute thoughts? Well, I just, uh, I, when I saw the picture of um, of President Obama and Hillary Clinton standing side-by-side side on the stage, like, okay, I didn't know if I would ever see this in my lifetime. Exactly. Yeah, I really didn't. Pretty African American and a woman right up on stage. And it was brought up that some of people, some some people's children, will grow up only ever knowing a black president, a female president, you know, um, etc. Exactly. And that's that's pretty amazing. The the only other thing I'd I'd want to touch on in terms of what's at stake in this election 
is, and I, I forgive me for breaking from the LGBT issue because it's just it's just a, it's just something that that is not being talked about enough in this election, um, and it needs to be is climate change. You, you have you have Donald Trump and the Republicans who refuse to acknowledge that climate change is real, we're causing it, and it's going to kill us all. And we can't afford to have a president who is not willing to do something about it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the literal fate of our species. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would think I would echo what everyone else has said here. A climate change, it's education, it's our standing in the world, it's national security, and then we have freedom and rights. So I think what's a, a number of things are at stake, a lot of things that I think we take for granted and we don't think about. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for our roundtable discussion. Thank you all for participating in this. This has really been enlightening and, and interesting. It's Hopefully a- for everyone listening, it it was for me. So <laughs> this evening here on Blooming Out on WFHB, uh, we continue our music selections this evening with an introduction to our next song from EW.com. They say hindsight is twenty twenty, but something tells us Third Eye Blind aren't looking back on their latest concert with regret. The alternative rockers fronted by Stephen Jenkins performed at a Tuesday night charity event a couple weeks ago tied to a Republican National con- the, the Republican National Convention and ultimately trolled conservative concert goers in the process. Hosted by the Recording Industry Association of America and AT&T and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, local news reports the band's set was initially expected to include covers of pro-American anthems though they opted to perform almost entirely lesser-known tracks. At one point during the concert, Jenkins poked fun at controversial conservative views. Quote, raise your hand if you believe in science, he reported, um, drawing a series of boos from the crowd. He responded, you can boo all you want, but I'm the mother bleep artist up here. So here is Third Eye Blind with last year's release, Everything is Easy.
You just heard Everything is Easy by Third Eye Blind here on Blooming Out. We have been taking a look at the lives of the LGBTQ plus student community in our Open Doors series. Everyone participates in coming out stories as listener or speaker, no matter your orientation. This week, we hear Nathan's story. Um, I was probably 12 years old and I was watching Logo. Logo was like the LGBTQI, like network and I was like I don't think any other 12 year old boy my age who likes girls is going to be watching this this type of show on this type of you know network second semester freshman year of college I like started talking to a boy in December and I wanted to tell my family about him so I decided to tell my family um the week before he broke up with me over a text message but I was like I'm still going to do this for me because if I don't do it for me, then I'm, when am I going to do it? So I told my family, I like read them a letter and it did not go very well. Everyone cried. My mom brought out the Bible and told me I was, that this is a sinful lifestyle and it is a choice. We've come further since then and she's making small progress. It's been like almost three years now. And it's hard for her. It's hard for my dad, who doesn't really understand that type of life. He, they both come from very like small communities that were like hyper-masculine, very one-way, conservative, of course. And I do, too, essentially. But, I don't know, coming to IU where it's like okay to be yourself and like realizing it's not okay to lie to the world or like to the, your family, your friends, like even your partner, if like you decide to try with a woman. So I just decided to be honest with myself and with everyone, with everyone else, and kind of stop the whole facade. I actually told my aunt and my cousin first, which wasn't the best idea, but um, they were very supportive. Um, they were that was like a nice like start to coming out. And then when I told my brother, who I told him when he was 15, and he was so supportive and told me he loved loved me and that he said no matter what like we'll always be like best friends and. Ever since then, like since we started that conversation, it's really opened up a lot, a lot between us, mm-hmm. and you move from like brothers to friends. So that actually has really benefited our relationship, and I can talk to him about a lot of stuff. The best part of like my coming out was the support I got from my friends, and like from my groups of people at school who were all. It was pretty obvious that I was gay before I was out. So it, it was really like awesome to get, have a great support system, people who almost act as your family outside of your family because I, I needed those connections and I needed people to tell me it's okay to be yourself even if not, even if everyone doesn't agree with you, especially like the people who are closest to you. And that was Nathan. This piece was reported and produced by IU junior Meredith Seaman, student and Bloomington native Stormy Dayhuff. Stormy co-produces Open Doors with Taylor Hurt, Matt Peterson, and David Crosman. This series was born from an audio journalism class at Indiana University. Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from The Back Door, Bloomington, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. More information can be found on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Our last music break's introduction this evening is brought to you from out.com. 
It's hard to leave the thumping bass of a club floor behind late on a Saturday night. Even as you make your way back to your apartment, or somebody else's, the rhythm sticks in your head, sometimes even causing unrest. Night after night, the latest from Boston-based singer Matthew Connor combines a lighter rhythm that, than, you might exp- than you might spend the night dancing to, but just the right tempo to settle your mind after a night out. Connor's soft voice paired with a floating rhythm could easily make its way into any lounge where people sip wine on velvet couches instead of pounding shots on a cracked leather bar, bar stool. Here is Matthew Connor with Night After Night. This world ain't a place for dreams Not for people like you and me I go downtown on a weeknight I comb my hair, I wear something tight Couple drinks and I feel But I'd rather be home I picture you and you're far away The pressure mounts and the edges fray There's some things we do for love some things we do for pain after night, it's the same routine Life never quite looks the way you dream oh, oh. I never became who I wanted to be This city's no good for a girl like me That's all it takes I fold it up And I throw it away It's for me alone I picture you It comes easily It's something small It's a luxury Parking lot 
smashed my phone I lost the plan uh, Still the alarm At six o'clock And it doesn't stop uh, It doesn't stop I've never become who I wanted to be This city's no good Now it's time to take a look at our area LGBTQ event calendar. Sigma Phi Beta will participate in Bloomington's Out of the Darkness Walk to raise awareness and funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention on Sunday, October 2nd. If you would like to join the team in walking or fundraising, contact Chapter President Bryant Hayes at brhayes1994 at gmail.com. The Damien Center will hold its gala, the 29th Annual Grand Masquerade, Midnight at the Oasis, on October 22nd. The event is at the Indianapolis Weston Downtown. The address is 50 South Capitol Avenue. Tickets are on sale now and can be purchased at damien.thankyouforcaring.org. You can save money if you purchase your ticket before October 3rd. Check out the Indie Pride Facebook page for more information. The Westboro Baptist Church will be making its presence known on October 4th to protest IEPUI's LGBTQ Center. The LGBTQ Student Alliance at IEPUI is forming a peaceful counter-protest to be held at 3 p.m. on October 4th. More information can be found on the Indie Pride Facebook page. After 22 years, the GLBT Student Support Services Office at Indiana University is changing its name. The office is looking for input on a new name from students, faculty and staff, and community members. If you'd like to share your thoughts, please take the online survey at tinyurl.com forward slash GLBT office. The survey will close on October 7th. Again, the website is tinyurl.com forward slash GLBT office. Your feedback is appreciated. The GLBT Student Support Office on IU's campus will be having a National Coming Out Day Closet Decorating event on Tuesday, October 11th. Visit the office and celebrate diversity in sexual orientations and gender identities. There will be a closet available for decorating and a photo booth for guests. Also on October 11th, the back door will be hosting The Queer Condition. Grad Queers invites the Hoosier community to a night of storytelling at the back door. People can come and tell anecdotes related to the event's theme of coming out. This is an intimate and enlightening experience, and we encourage anyone to come and celebrate the diversity of our community. If you would like to share your story at the event that takes place from 8 p.m. till 11 p.m., contact Don at ddumayas at indiana.edu. And that's a look at your LGBTQ area event calendar. We would like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, please contact volunteer at WFHB.org. And if you'd like to add your event to our events calendar, please contact us at 
blooming out at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at bloomingoutwfhb, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. For Blooming Out, Jeff Poling and Janae Cummings, I'm board engineer Sarah Hetrick. Please tune in next week at 6 p.m. or listen to us online at bloomingout.com. Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.